Welcome to Composers in a Jukebox, a podcast that brings together a special breed of musicians in a conversation about their craft. Today, we as composers are engaging in a two-part chat about, wait for it, conducting in a recording studio. We would like to thank Podcast Room for providing us a chance to record in their lovely studio today. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi. It's good to see you. It's been a while. <laughs> it's good to see everyone. Yeah, I know. How? When was the last time we recorded a podcast? Oh gosh, July or maybe July. before that. Damn. It was before the summer holidays. You were not in, well, you went to Singapore. Yes. And I, I was in Malaysia. And then, Evan, where were you? When? <laughs> uh, summer. Last summer. summer. I was playing orchestra in Germany. Damn. Right. So we're all in different parts of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, thought it'd be nice to start with a little catch up. Yeah. So what's been, okay, what's been going on in your lives right now? So right now I'm working towards the Kickstarter game, which I talked about last podcast. It's, um, it's called The God's Fable Soil Frontier. So right now we are in the middle of writing, uh, signing a contract and we'll be good to go and a D&D game. So. Oh, cool. Game. Establishing yourself as a game composer. Yeah. And playing more games. Very nice. You, you need you need the inspiration, you know what I mean? So that's a good excuse to buy more games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Making games to buy games. Yes! <laughs> yeah, I've been doing a lot of uh, orchestration and music prep for uh, Charles of London, the company I work for. So there's like weeks of total madness followed by uh, nothing at all, which is cool because I can do my own music then. And it's kind of been like that the last couple of weeks very intense and then very relaxed and I can work in my own time. And that's, yeah, it's been cool. So what's the, what's the coolest score that you've prepped or you don't have to, you don't have to say yeah, what I, I wish I is, could, but yeah, I wish <laughs> I could, I could say uh, there's a lot of really cool things coming up. Um, the things I can talk about, um, Frozen Planet 2 for oh, Hans wow. Zimmer and, and uh, Bleeding Fingers. We did that together with, um, with Fine Line Music in LA. And uh, what was the other thing? Other princes for Natalie Holt, right? Cool. Wow, that's Very amazing. Nice. But that's yeah, we we did much more. It's like fifteen projects or something I've I've worked on the last month. So uh, yeah, <laughs> keep an eye out for You've that. Been busy. Um, <laughs> You've been busy. Very busy. You've been busy. Yeah, and as for me, I um I've recently been adopted by uh, an amateur orchestra. <gasps> local amateur orchestra they call themselves city show tunes orchestra um and uh, i'm going to be their music director well i have started my term as their music director for a year they specialize in film and musical theater music so we're working towards a concert in december that's kind of christmasy so we're doing stuff like um you know goblet of fire um, nice. alone um yeah <laughs> you gotta have home alone you gotta yeah but there's always something really special about working with an amateur orchestra where you know, we have so much time because they, it, it, naturally, they'll need to spread out their rehearsals for people to get back in shape and um, get back in the zone of music making. So, yeah, we've got nine rehearsals over the span of two months leading up to December. Um, I've also started a job in a theatre company. It's an immersive theatre company in London as well. 
um, and I'm doing front of house there. And it's really cool because like, you know, for most of my conscious life, I've been surrounded by musicians. And for once I get this opportunity <laughs> to step out um, of the world and to be among people, um, like quite a diverse range of people uh, from a variety of fields. Like most of them are actors, um, got some people who do mm, screenwriting, a couple of people interested in producing, game design. Oh, so it's, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, I feel like I've kind of been uh, expanding <laughs> Congrats, Darren. Yeah, that is cool. It's been fun. <laughs> so today uh, we are gathered here <laughs> in this lovely studio. Yes. Um, talking about something that is kind of related to what we do uh, most mm-hmm. of the time, but also slightly off what we do. It's, it's going to be an interesting topic. We're talking about conducting in recording studios. So conducting studio sessions. And uh, I think something really special that all three of us share is that we're all fundamentally composers. We write music, but we're also very active conductors and we engage in music making on that level as well, where we step up and lead uh, a group of musicians in, you know, in a performance or in a recording, sometimes with our own music and sometimes with other people's music. Do you enjoy doing that sort of thing? Definitely. Um, for me, it's kind of a continuation of the composition side of things. It's kind of, for, for some people, I know, and rightfully so, it's kind of two two different things, and they they don't want to have anything to do with the conducting side of things. But for me, the it's part of the composition um, aspect, and it's really it's harvesting what you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I feel like. With film music, especially, or with you know recorded mm-hmm. um, art forms like like that, or you know electronic music, hybrid music, it's one thing to to write the notes and, and the rhythms and to orchestrate stuff um, on pen and paper, but at the same time, what people hear um, through their headphones or through speakers is also part of composition. We are essentially solidifying a performance or an interpretation. Um, of a piece that we write. So all of that kind of integrates with one another and we get a piece out of it, essentially. If you think about it on a, on a more conceptual level. Yeah. So well, you, yeah. you said it well. <laughs> <laughs> Do you enjoy conducting in the studio? Well, first time I did it, um, mm. it was quite quite intense. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like a lot of people, well, not, well, when, when, when I did it in RCM, it was during COVID and then it was like 18. Yeah, that was kind of my first time doing it in like right. a studio because yeah. last time I was doing it in a concert hall back in Taiwan where we had a module that we need to conduct to picture. The experience was amazing because in a way you need to kind of like piece it up with the picture and you know listening to the music as well as a click and then yeah. getting everyone in time, those kind of things. It's doing so many things that the same time at the same time yes it's crazy <laughs> it's crazy the first time I, me doing it was like wow that's oh that's a, a bit intense but you know i think we we all agree like the more we do it the more better we get yeah of course definitely proverbial practice makes perfect yeah <laughs> and then the studio recordings um well it's more secluded but you know we we focus on the piece more intensely and you have like you know people in the booth helping you out yeah, conducting. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, part of the reason why I thought this was, I mean, you know, talking about conducting and recording studio would be such a, such an interesting, engaging topic uh, for discussion is precisely because it is an art form uh, on its own. 
you know, people take time uh, and people, you know, there's a lot of effort in um, learning an instrument, in practicing an instrument. Uh, and there's a lot of time and effort spent um, learning and practicing the art of conducting. Uh, yes. <laughs> and most, uh, I mean, I, it, it, this is a really general statement, but a lot of conducting courses that are around, um, or a lot of conductors who are around train as concert conductors. They, they, you know, they perform and they, they operate in, in a live setting, but it is a whole other ball game altogether conducting in the studio. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we'll, we'll get into the details in, in just a bit and, you know, just to share our thoughts about what we think about things like clip tracks and <laughs> uh, that sort of thing. But um, I'd love to ask uh, an age-old question. So all three of us, we are composers and conductors and we work, um, a lot of the work we do is in film music. You know, we record our music in a, in a recording studio, we conduct sometimes uh, and stay in the booth sometimes. But what are your thoughts about conducting a recording session versus being a composer in the booth? I mean, there's there's upsides and downsides to both. Um, obviously, the um, most common point that speaks for being in the booth is if you have a director with you that you have to tend to and you're, you're doing changes while while the session's happening yeah. that's a, that's much more complicated if you're not in the same room if you're actually in front of the orchestra and because mm. um, as you were saying earlier it's a it's a lot you have to think about do, doing that and then you also have to uh, to think about accommodating the, the changes that um um, that, that a director requests, that's maybe maybe a bit much. But if there's not a director, I think it's actually a very good thing to conduct yourself because um, it's also it's a learning experience that you don't get if you're if you're in the booth. For instance, I don't know. J just an example: if, if if the oboe is whispering something. Um, about a certain passage that you wrote, or you, you see the angry faces of the music, <laughs> or you know astonishment, or, or whatever, um, you know. Oh, okay, this this worked really well. They they really enjoyed that. Or oh, I probably shouldn't do that next time, um, and stuff like that. You kind of don't notice that much if you're in the booth. I I think I've grown as a composer. I've grown very much as a composer by conducting my own music. So from that point of view, I think it's a it's a great thing to, to conduct your own stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like you hear things differently? Yes. Um, that, that's another point. From a performance aspect, I, I get more when I'm actually with the musicians. And in terms of that, I also, I, I usually know what I want from them and I know how to get it quickly. Um, but if you have someone trusted in the booth who knows the techie side very well and they 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 pay attention to that and you you know they'll they'll have you walk away with a great recording um i think that's that's as good as if you you would be there yourself True. um but yeah that, that's important if you if you have someone you don't know and you end up with a recording with i don't know there's a lot of chairs speaking <laughs> and, 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 and stuff like that that you didn't because stuff like that you won't notice in, in, in yeah if, if, if you're conducting because you're paying attention to other things um so yeah that that helps i think yeah absolutely that that's a really good point actually to have someone that you trust 
in the booth? Uh, I, I agree with Levin. And I, well, I did, you know, we did a lot during RCM where we conduct and we were in the booth. Yeah. Um, it's it's generally, I think it's good to, to try out both try roles. Try both. Mm. Like, yeah. it's, you shouldn't, I think for those who are, like, they have the, the intention to do it, but a bit, maybe a bit f afraid or something, yeah. or they should, they, are, they feel like, oh, I should be in the booth, you know, I can hear everything, but I think they should maybe step out and try, rather than just not do it, because, um, yeah, I also learned a lot from the, the players by talking to them, like, if they mention, like, oh, maybe you could do this instead, maybe you should do, like, the strings, maybe, like, there's a pizzicato section, like, why not you do it, like, all staccato instead of pizzicato, then you could do another take, And then you have like maybe two takes that you could try out. So if you don't have that conversation with that player, you would not get that second take that maybe it would work better on, on your music. You know, these kinds of conversations are just as important as, you know, being in the booth and just listening to um, you know, the conductor talking to them. I think it's a, both are really good. Yeah, in a way. absolutely. A hundred percent conversation, communication and yeah. trust. And I guess likewise, you know, if you're in the, if you're in the booth, sitting there and listening um, as a composer and, you know, giving feedback every now and then when there's an opportunity to, you will need a conductor in the studio that you trust as yes, well. Yes, 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 def yes. Def definitely. Um, yeah. The reason I didn't say that is because I've, of most of the sessions where I didn't conduct, I wasn't that happy with, with how the Ooh. conducting went. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's important. If it's somebody you trust or... I, I had it once that was amazing. Like every time I I put my finger on the talk back button um, and wanted to say something, the conductor, he said exactly what I wanted to say. And I was like, okay, this guy is... Oh, that's, <laughs> good, that's good. And then you can relax and you, because, because you know your music is in is in good hands. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes it, it isn't. So yeah, you, it I, no, no matter if you're in the booth or if you're conducting, you yeah. like choose your collaborators well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you want to reduce the time of like, you know, like, oh, it's not this, it's actually that, because time is money in the recording studio. Yeah, I think absolutely. You agree actually, that kind of, I mean, this, what I'm about to talk about is completely not in the prompt, uh, so for, for those of you who are watching us on camera, <laughs> everything <laughs> is here. Um, but um, just a couple of months ago, Levent, we did a session together. I played the flute that's and the alto flute, true, and yeah. you were conducting uh, a session with music written by a good friend of ours, Billy Palmer. Uh, what is your working relationship like with Billy? And what what did that session mean to you? Um, I think that that's a that's a good example of trust because he didn't. We we did talk through the pieces beforehand and like what what's important to him, but not in a very like it it, it was pretty brief. He just let me do my thing. <laughs> um, Yeah, and I think given the, the time and resources we had, um, it was a pretty good result in, in the end. In terms of what, what it meant to me, I mean, I've, I'm always happy if, if uh, my friends ask me to conduct for them. <laughs> uh, so I, I was, uh, yeah, very happy in that instance as well. I mean, Levin, you're a really good conductor. Thank you. You're a really good conductor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I certainly felt it when I was sitting there in the chair playing in that session. Yeah, it's, it was it's interesting that you that we have the player perspective in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, we did have s 
certain cues, which were slightly more, well, I wouldn't say challenging, but, you know, we, we did kind of have hurdles. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think on the whole, it felt like a, it felt like a really smooth session. And you can, you can tell if a session, you know, is meant to be like, was it a two hour long session? Um, uh, three, I think. Three hour, yeah. you know, three hour long session, but it didn't feel like a three hour session um, while you're in it. And oh, that's wow. that's a sign of a of a really good session. Yeah. Well, it probably wouldn't feel like that if like me jumping around and uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm yeah. Wait, I'm, what, <laughs> what was this again? With Billy? That's an inside joke. Which would, <laughs> would you really like to say this on a podcast? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm no. I'm asking. What, when was this session? Um, a couple months ago. Was it June? like? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah. This I, is in the Bell Shackman studio. It was like a. It was a chamber. Orchestra is like one per part thing. So one per part strings, one per part winds and piano. And harp. Ooh. And harp, yes. Uh, great. So all three of us actually on that note, we have conducted in sort of, you know, studio sessions in a recording studio. And we've also recorded in a concert hall before. Jolene, you, yep. you've, I mean, I think we all started conducting um, as conductors for the concert hall. What do you, well, ha, did you know it? Did you know it? Um, for the concert hall, but with film actually. The first thing I oh. ever did was a, was, a, was a film concert. Was that, so was that with punches and streamers or click? Nothing at all. Nothing, oh. Oh, that is, that is first, scary. First conducting experience ever. Like I've never conducted before. I didn't have lessons back then. This was like, it was at the, the start of my undergrad really. Um, and they, they, they had this project called Music for Silent Films where they are like filmmakers from the, from the region, like from Frankfurt in Germany, they would um, send in their films and then anyone from our school could um, like sign up, from, from any department could sign up to, to, to score a film. Then they had a professional orchestra come in and then we would rehearse and uh, um, present it in a... Um, in a live concert, in two live concerts actually, um, to to picture, but without click and with without punches and streamers, without anything. Whoa, that's amazing! That, that you were thrown at the deep end. From the yeah, it was that was <laughs> pressure cooker training really. Um, <laughs> that uh, yeah, but it was also that experience made me want to become a film composer because I because I hadn't written film music before that either. First time conducting, first time film composing. Um, and I was terrified in the beginning, but by the end, like seeing the film and hearing the music and waving my arms to it, <laughs> was kind of down. This is what we want to do. Whoa! Oh, yeah, it that's, sparks your, that's your career, I guess. That's amazing. Yeah. So it was kind of it was a concert, but it was with film. That's really cool. I mean, before I got into any of this, before I got into you know playing the flute, uh, composing, conducting, I loved. I love films and I, I used to own, well, I still own uh, quite a number of DVDs. And the great thing about having DVDs is that you get all like a second disc with some, you know, quite a lot of behind the scenes footage oh, yeah. of, you know, that shows you what goes on uh, in the process. And I remember one of those DVDs that I owned was uh, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. And there was I watched a, that the other day. Did for you? For the first time, oh, actually. Oh, yeah. did you like it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful film, film. Uh, scored by Alexander Desplat. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of those things in the second disc was a 20 minute long documentary on the scoring process. And that was my first ever encounter with, well, sort of, you know, virtual 
encounter <laughs> with the art of film scoring. Uh, and Alexander, I mean, he's known all over as um, a composer conductor. So he conducts his own sessions most of the time. Uh, and that was what was shown in that documentary from what I know. And because I saw that documentary so early on in my life, I naturally assumed that all film composers conduct their own music. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> it was not until much later in life where I realized that, you know, staying in the booth is actually a thing. <laughs> but um, what do you find is the difference between conducting in a live setting and conducting in a studio? Levin looks stressed. You can go ahead, Jenny. Okay. <laughs> I have, I have <laughs> to think for a bit. Yeah, you, you, you go. Conduct okay, what are the similarities and what are the differences, in your opinion? Well, they are both intense. Mm. <laughs> well, that's for sure. As always. Um, well, let me think. The last time I did a, in a concert hall was my first um, recital. Well, it was required that we need to conduct a picture. Mm -hmm. And what was different was there are people watching you, like... Yeah. Um, an audience of like maybe a hundred it was a small small hall um, I think I felt the pressure compared to like in the booth because like in a way I was a bit um, worried that people would judge me <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't have a lot of retakes in a way you have to go one take smoothly and not screw up I mean another difference is that the musicians have never seen the music before so oh yeah the, yeah that's true that's true the, the way you um, you lead the session is a bit different in that you, in rehearsal for concert, you would work towards you know that that one yeah, take basically. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in the um, in the studio, you, you do a couple, and if, if they're not perfect, that that's fine. If as long as you can stitch it together and and have something in the end that and you have resembles a, <laughs> a, a, a perfect performance. Um, you have the time constraint as well. So I, I well, yeah, but I mean, you you have that in. For the concert hall as well, there's only a, a certain amount oh, of yeah, time yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you you get to rehearse. Um, yeah, but I think still you, you you'd go more in depth in in, in a concert rehearsal than um, if you conduct a session. Sure. Yeah, do you find that your gestures change as well, or are they mostly similar? They do because of the click track. I'm sure we'll we'll we'll, yes. we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, um, but yeah, other than that. Uh, Similar. Mm. How so? Um, I mean, because of the click track, you're less, um, or the musicians less have to depend on you as a, as a metronome. <laughs> <laughs> um, which doesn't mean that you don't have to be in time. You definitely have to be in time. I've, I've, um, I realized that when I did it the first time, that I was like, I, I felt the timing very differently than the. Uh, what the click said <laughs> and um i've i've heard that a couple people struggle with that because you you have a different perception of of the tempo and sometimes you think like oh the, the click click track that's uh, it's doing something it's you know doing a natural round or written or whatever i thought that too but i was like no i i programmed Putting this the blame on the click track <laughs> I, I programmed this myself i, I tested it I, I i know it's correct it's um but it's it's kind of it's astonishing how or your mind can play tricks on you, and you have to be prepared, of course, and like steer into the other direction and make sure that you are absolutely on it. Yeah. Um, but other than that, um, you, I'm the, the musicians. They're more dependent on you giving cues because, as I said, they haven't seen the music before. Um, 
I mean, probably if the music's well laid out, um, they they'll get it anyhow. But it just helps them play with more confidence if you know they they, they get the cue. Okay, I'm I'm in the right place. And then, um, so so cueing and then just shaping the music like stuff that you may, might talk about more in a rehearsal and say, okay, do this, do that. Uh, you you just try to show um, to to save some time. Because you don't have to worry too much about the the time beating. Mm, yeah, yeah. Say. yeah, that's interesting though. Because for me, I feel like <clears throat> if I think about myself as a concert conductor, um, the way I conduct at the first rehearsal is very different from the way I conduct at the concert. At the first rehearsal or at the initial rehearsals, it's all very practical conducting. You're establishing a tempo. You're giving cues. It's functional. People need to know where they are and find their foot in the music. And then by the time players get more familiar with the music at the concert, that's when you can take a bit more liberties with your gestures. You can start losing beats. You can start, you know, shaping things a bit more and responding like to the moment. And with that in mind, I feel like the way I conduct in sessions is very much like the way I conduct at a first rehearsal. Yeah. Um, because of ex exactly what you said about people looking at the music for the first time and reading it. Then. Yeah, it's also like being too... Uh, too free in your gestures is it's kind of dangerous also because um, I know that from the player perspective because I played a lot of violin in orchestras sometimes conductors in in concerts they get carried away by by the moment oh. or oh, yeah. um, you know by 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 shaping the music and then suddenly we don't know where we are <laughs> um, yeah it's 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 difficult though because of course it's a different situation than in the first rehearsal and you 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 want to be more expressive and you you want to be in the moment and you want to you know um um experience that but then at the same time you still have to have that little uh i don't know safety voice in your head telling you okay don't <laughs> don't overdo uh, it, don't don't overdo overdo it. it. <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and about about click tracks um so just to be friendly <laughs> for listeners out there um a click track is uh is like a metronome and we see it a lot or rather we hear it a lot <laughs> in recording studios less so in concert halls where you literally have uh, a thing that goes in in your ear and that's meant to set the tempo uh for music that you play we see it especially in film music just because um most most of the music if not all the music has to be synced to picture and in order for you know specific moments of the music to hit specific um beats or cuts or actions or reactions or dialogue in the film uh, it has to be entirely synchronized um it having a click track on as a conductor and as a musician can make you feel very different uh when you're when you're playing or when you're conducting as compared to when you're playing or conducting without a click track um, but the question that I like to lay on the table for now <laughs> is, does a click track help or hinder? <laughs> really, I love, I love yeah. the expression on your faces. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's difficult to say because it totally depends on, on the music. Because mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're layering with, say, synth stuff or, or electronic things, the only way to, to, to have it in sync really is um, is recording with a click track because otherwise it's it's not going to work no matter how good the conductor yeah. is or, yeah. or, or the orchestra. It's, it's just not um, 
not not possible. So I guess for for stuff like that, it's a necessary evil. Also, if you, I guess it helps in the in the um, recording studio if you're getting through a lot of music quickly. Um, but I've I've tried it once in in one of my sessions where we had some spare time at the end, um, and we we recorded with click track throughout before, and then I was like, okay, let's just do one, let's do one without <laughs> click. And musically, it was, it seems cliche, but it was so much more musical. Mm. Um, not necessarily that much uh, um, different in tempo or whatever, because we, we've heard it with, with click, we, we, we knew it. We couldn't have layered it with electronics. Not, not that good, but um, yeah, it was, it was so much more musical. And I was like, ah, we do really lose something with, with the click track. Yeah. Um, but it's a it's a necessary trade off, I think. Yes, yeah. especially for film music, there's there's no no other way of doing it really. Yeah, definitely. I like to add on on that. So um, last year we had Timothy Henty to conduct our music uh, for our orchestral workshop. So I was doing duet. Um, it was it was rescore. Oh, the, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, it was beautiful. I love the animation, so I um I that's why I decided to rescore it. So what he did was. Initially, we were doing it with click. And then after that, he kind of was like, you know what, it's not going to work out. It's kind of too... I was, it's too rigid. And uh, it, yeah, like what Levin said, it kind of depends on the score. And the way I wrote it was kind of like um, moving, free-flowing. You can't really make it rigid. Not the whole music going to sound weird. So what he did was he literally told them to like, you know what, we're going to drop the click. We're just going to record straight without the click. And he just, he knows the tempo. He just listened to it, like, maybe a few times because the tempo didn't, didn't change. I, I think the tempo didn't, not changing was one of the factors. And the music was so, so much better because no one was restrained to click, click, we got to go with it. Um, it's annoying, you know. I think as the, as the performers were like, if we have to follow the click so much, they won't really, like, focus on what the sound comes out to. They just want to be in time rather than be late. Absolutely. I mean, this, what I'm about to say, may be slightly unrelated, but uh, actually one of the most complicated projects I've ever done uh, was in the RCM in college. Uh, yeah. as part of a great exhibitionist festival. Oh. Um, and the idea was that we would get a, uh, a chamber orchestra to be spread out over a route in college. So it goes from like the courtyard into a concert hall, into the backstage, into the cafe. Oh, yeah, I remember. Like the that. video was so and, cool. And uh, it's led by a solo tenor, um, like a documentary style. So he's just, you know, he he's talking about the architecture and stuff like that and leading the camera through the whole journey in, um, in, in a sort of tracking shot. So that was the concept. But on execution level, it was... Well, I wouldn't say it was a nightmare. It was really, really enjoyable. Um, but planning it out was borderline hilarious <laughs> because you know we, we thought about recording and filming everything on location so actually having the camera move along with the mic but um synchronization was an issue and um then maybe you know bleeding from other parts of the building oh, yeah. other people practicing and stuff like that um so we decided that we record the whole, the whole audio in a studio and sync it to video mm -hmm. uh with 
the solo tenor singing live. <laughs> and uh, we tried that. So we recorded the orchestral part first in the studio with click. Um, and here's the thing. The music was um, aleatoric. So it's all, it's all in free time, but bound by the bars so that the changes, you know, each change of gesture happens at a very specific moment of the piece. Um, so even though we had click, that was one, that was the one time where I felt like, you know, there was so much freedom in expression and in, in performance in the studio. And that was, yeah, that was really, really cool. But at the same time, when we tried to, so we attempted to record the solo tenor singing live on location, didn't really work. So we filmed that. He was singing um, while moving to the venue, but we had to do basically ADR <laughs> in the studio after that. So he was looking at his his video um, and trying to sing and sync um, every single word wow. to his to the movement of his mouth. And I guess that's kind of why that was the most interesting project that I've ever engaged in because. On one hand, it was so free when we were recording the orchestral part in the studio, um, but at the same time, so restrictive when it came to layering the other stems, especially the vocal stem, which was the most important thing <laughs> in the whole piece. Damn, yeah. How, how yeah. long did you, you know, spend on this project? <sighs> on the recording, I mean, like just the recording. Um, we had about one, two, three, four, five, five studio sessions. <laughs> um, two mix sessions, okay. one day of filming, uh, spread out over almost a whole year. Mm. <laughs> oh, thank goodness this isn't like a, a month rock check, you know? No, and, and it took a while to write the piece as well, because it's like, um, I think it was about 15 minutes, so it's, it's not mm. exactly a short piece. Yeah, yeah um, it was fun, but it was really long. <laughs> Uh, yeah, on that note, we've been, we've been chatting for about 47 minutes now. <laughs> um, Already. <laughs> have we, did, did it feel like 47 minutes? <laughs> uh, I think it might be, it might be nice to sort of, you know, have a, have a break, have a little chill and continue, um, and dig deeper into our conversation Sounds about good. conducting and- Gossip. And gossip, <laughs> and uh, what you're gonna? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, one, I'm the one curious because you, you. Oh, okay. So I'm expected to drop the gossip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why you're here, Levin. <laughs> I should have known. <laughs> <laughs> and for listeners out there, join us on part two of this conversation in composers in a jukebox. Yeah, uh, brought to you by Levin, Jolene, and myself, Darren. Uh, we're also. Hosted by the very generous podcast room in the middle of uh, South West London. <laughs> beautiful place. Beautiful place, beautiful place. Um, yeah, we'll see you in a bit. <laughs> <laughs>